0: the Jesuits of Canada and the United States, this is AMDG, and I'm Eric Clayton. Several weeks ago, I attended the annual Catholic Media Conference. Sister Rose Picati was one of the keynote speakers. She talked about how artificial intelligence and the spiritual life intersect, how social media can and cannot spread the gospel, and how we're all called to media literacy as part of our lives as Christians. I knew then that I wanted to hear more. And so today, Sister Rose joins us to reflect on all of these things, AI, the new threads, pop culture, and her own vocation at the intersection of media and religious life. Sister Rose, a member of the Daughters of St. Paul, is an award-winning author and the founding director of the Pauline Center for Media Studies in Los Angeles. And if you like what she has to say today, if you find yourself intrigued and wanting to go deeper, Sister Rose invites you to check out the Advanced Certificate in Media Literacy at the Pauline Center for Media Studies' is offering starting July 30th, 2023. So, soon. The link is in the show notes. And now, here's Sister Rose. Sister Rose Picati, welcome to AMDG. We're so glad to have you with us today.
1: Thank you. It's so nice to be with you.
0: Yeah, and we're looking forward to talking to you about uh, media literacy and and how to exist um, in in a the ever evolving media ecosystem. And so I think it's only right that today on like the second day of the existence of Threads, Facebook's Twitter copycat, um, we start there. Are are you on Threads? I am. I I signed up this morning. And why? Tell us. Tell us why.
1: Well, you can't talk about it unless you're part of it. So I wanted to see, you know, what it had to offer. So, so far, it seems that, um, well, MSNBC is already on it. Looks like there's a lot of, uh, there's some celebrities. Zooey Deschanel is on there, James Taylor. But anyhow, uh, I just wanted to see what it had to offer, if it's going to be anything better than Twitter. And it doesn't seem to have video but it doesn't seem to have a limit either to how many words. So we'll see what, what it has to offer. You know, it's about connecting people, but it kind of looks like a little bit like Instagram it's connected to Instagram. You can sign in through Instagram. So, and the color motif is Instagram.
0: Yeah. I, I I mean, it's, it's in the Facebook, the meta, uh, empire of things. Right. Um, so, you know so let's using that as our entry point right uh, something to connect uh, but also just this this temptation this urge to jump into the latest iteration of of really the same old thing um how does that connect to faith how does that connect to your vocation um and and why should people of faith care
1: that's a really great question and the reason is is because we're citizens of the world we're citizens of that God created we're part of this universe. And how do we find God in this universe? But also how do we bring the presence of God to this universe? That's why, as a religious, as a daughter of St. Paul, as a member of the Pauline family of religious congregations, founded by Blessed James Alvarione. I'll just get that in there. That's why that's what we do. We want to be present where the conversation is, where the people are meeting. If we're not there. We don't exist. If the Catholic Church isn't part of this, then we're not part of it. It's it's what the late John Cardinal Foley, uh, who was the first president of the Pontifical Council of Social Communications, that has now become the dicastery for the communications at the Vatican. What he used to say was, if Catholics were not on television, we don't exist. We just don't exist because we're not part of of who people are watching. We're not telling the stories. We're not helping to mediate the stories because everyone else is mediating the stories. But where's the voice that comes from human and gospel values? And that's what we can bring to the conversation.
0: Yeah, no, I uh, as much as it pains me to have to think about joining another social media platform, um, I, I don't disagree. <laughs>
1: well, That was my first question. Even on Facebook, I said, oh, I just joined this. But can I handle another social media account? I have Facebook, which is my first love. You know, look at my age demographic. I And I have so many friends on there, uh, different ages too, not just of the senior quality. But um, I'm pretty active on Facebook, a little bit on Twitter, Instagram. I I go in, you know, when I have the mood because I can actually go on Instagram and it shares all already on Facebook. So it's like, why? Except young people are on Instagram, Twitter. I have backed off a little bit, but I've noticed that some things I put on Twitter have gotten more hits than any other place. For example, I did a review of a movie called, oh, what was the name of it? But it was about a boy who was put into one of those programs where they force you not to be gay. It was something about boy, Little Boy Lost or something like that. I can't remember the title. I'm sorry. But at the end of like about a week, it had 30,000 hits. I never had that kind of a response. So, but it was about a very important issue. So I think the, tag, the, the hashtag got it moving across everywhere. And I think when we can bring a gospel interpretation to you know, how we treat our young people who come out as LBGTQ uh, plus, uh, then, how, then I think we need to do that. And so, and we need to be there, part of the conversation.
0: Yeah, I, just to follow up on that, obviously I haven't seen uh, that particular tweet that you shared. Um, I imagine you got some unkind messages as well on that. And I wonder if that helped propel propel it. And then how did you navigate the uh, you know virality of something that maybe was propelled because people were being nasty?
1: I actually got some... I would say negative pushback here and there, but not that much. But on Facebook, whenever I get that kind of a a pushback, I actually just let people handle it. I don't have to do it. I don't have to do anything. My friends will take care of it for me. Sometimes I have to step in because they're a little bit too forceful in their, and I don't want to say defense, but in, in their conversation and that's not what we want to do. Recently there was something happened like that and uh at the end I just I asked everybody to please let's be civil here. And another day went by and I just deleted the whole post because it was defeating the purpose. Hmm. But yeah, that what that went, I Twitter is a little bit harder to navigate negative comments, you know, right, you know, in in real time and 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 it can just be so sporadic and it can get nasty that one didn't though i don't i don't i don't have a bad feeling about that one at all as having been uh, tortured through that maybe because it went to the people hopefully that it would have given some insight to or even encouragement i think that's why i reviewed the movie
0: that's good so you you beat the system you were able to say something with meaning and send it directly to the people who needed it and uh, no, no conflict arose, so that's perfect. I think you're the winner of social media.
1: Well, no, for that particular day, for that particular week, or whatever, or <laughs> that particular movie. That oh boy, erased. That was the name of it. It was it, so. Somebody wants is out there in, in uh, podcast land wants to track that down on Twitter. They could do that. So it was boy erased. Yeah.
0: Well, let's uh, let's back up. Uh, um, I think we've given folks a, a sense of your kind of immersion and commitment to to digital media, to new media. But I wonder uh, if we can kind of back up and just get a sense of what interested you in media in the first place, because obviously it it plays such a central role in your life and your vocation.
1: Well, sure. So when when I felt the call to become a, a sister was the, our, D, our uh, Director of Religious Education at the parish, who my mom spoke to her, and she introduced me to our sisters. That's I didn't know anything about them. I had visited their bookstore, I think, once when I was very young, but I really didn't know anything about them. It wasn't until... I didn't enter for our mission. I entered for God. I wanted to do something meaningful for God and for people. And um, when I found out what it was... You know, that it was working in media and and making books and then we went on to sixteen millimeter films and at that time it was film strips and slideshows and things like that. Well I just and we rented out sixteen millimeter films, so I like that a lot. You know, and then we uh, now then we went into video DVD and now of course everything's streaming. So but it was I do I love media, I love movies, I love to read, but it that's not quite what brought me it was a call and it and this wonderful connection that I was introduced to our community in San Diego at the time. And that's where, what brought me to this, but, but then you make a commitment, right? You study the life, you live it, and then you choose to say yes.
0: How much of the, um, the studying and the formation, um, that you personally have gone through, and and I'm sure your, your fellow sisters, um, how much of it was, or is that, you know, media influence and how much of it is, as you said, um, you know, God, you entered for God, you know, that kind of deeper uh, sense of finding God in all things, to, to borrow a Jesuit term.
1: Yes. Well, so when from the time we enter, we're immersed in a world of media because we have our book centers, we have our, our publishing house, we have our editorial division, digital division, we have all of these, and, and everybody has a phone. So currently, we're immersed in it. Even when I entered 56 years ago in August, that we were immersed in it. We had a big book bindery and printing presses, and we were really, uh, that was our main focus at the time. And so um, it becomes part of our life. It's what we do. But then when we study, we study religious life, we study our constitutions, which the the charism our founder is to... Preach the gospel as Saint Paul did, using the means of our times—the most modern means that Saint Paul would certainly use today—in imitation of Saint Paul, in the footsteps of Jesus, under the gaze of our Mary, Queen of the Apostles. So, that's in a little—that's a little nutshell of of what our charism is. Glory to God and peace to all people. It's not to the greater glory of God, but that's in there too. or it 's the Jesuits, you know, but. Um, it's very complimentary. So it becomes part of who we are. Everything we do, we have a corporate apostolate. And by that, it means that all of us are tuned towards the same thing. Like some sisters, some religious congregations, they have teachers, they have social workers, they have um, nurses, doctors, they, they do everything. But we're really very corporate and we're very focused on this idea of evangelization, using the media. The most modern media of today. Legacy media too, but of course it's all in, converged into um, digital, the digital world. That that yeah. is really what we do full time. And when I felt called to media literacy education, it was reflecting on this and the fact that about seven articles of our constitutions are dedicated to the idea of critical thinking about this media world that we're engaged in, that we are immersed in, and and to really think about our engagement and to teach others to do so. Also forming what we used to call opinion leaders, but now we call them influencers because we're all influencers, aren't we?
0: We're all influencers, that's for sure. We
1: all, <laughs> everybody has a brand.
0: Yeah, I, that's 100% true. I, I'm as unfortunate as it might be sometimes. Um, you know, I, I think our listeners uh, are very accustomed to finding God in all things, right? Um, so I think the idea that uh, there's God is present, the spirit is moving in media, in storytelling and pop culture, um, isn't uh, you know an unfamiliar concept. Um, so I wonder, as as you reflect back kind of on 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 your vocational journey so far, that has been at this intersection of faith and media, what what patterns have you detected kind of the spirit at work what have you seen um and then and then you know I don't want to make you make predictions but um what do you think we should be most um attentive to as far as God at work through media today consumerism
1: that that's the big red flag out there profit and consumerism because if if you think about it um Every, everything is about profit. There's nothing out there that's really looking for the good of the human person. They might say that, but at the end of the day, when they make decisions, the decisions don't go, oh, let's make a decision in favor of the human person. Let's set up a commission so that AI, we're going to make recommendations so that it won't uh, you know, go out of bounds and, and hurt people. But why not make it, make some laws so they won't do that? Why do we just have suggestions? You know, a good, I think a good example of this is the European Union and the United States. In the European Union they will not okay a chemical to use um, on crops, you know, to get rid of bugs on crops unless a company can prove that it will do no harm, that it will not harm the environment, that it will not harm people, that it will not get into the groundwater, chemicals will not be there forever. Instead, in the United States, you can basically get anything approved for very little, and then you have to prove afterwards, the only way you, if you're take, is to be taken to court, if you're, you're damaging, there are cancer clusters, there are all these things, and yet, well, you have to prove it. You have to prove it, you have to take me to court, and you can't afford that, so we're bigger than you are. So this is, we have more money than you do. So whenever there's a profit, there's something profitable to be had, that's what we have to watch. We're consumers. We have to be critical consumers. I say we have to be. That's kind of an imperative. We are called to be critical consumers because we have a brain to think with. We have a will to choose with. We have a heart to engage in a, in a, spiritual life and in an emotional life that can show compassion and mercy towards people but when you live in this really cutthroat dressed up consumeristic society whether it's you know technology and the latest technology that's it's that's what hurts people at the end of the day that's what makes people get dropped out of the bottom of society corporations buying up You know, housing, housing developments. And then they rent them out and they could just keep raising the cost. So how's that helping people? It's not helping people, it's just helping some people. That's what media does too. Media endorses that. You know, they have ads that build up to that. Uh, We don't have any ads yet on this uh, new threads, but just a matter of time. It's just another way to buy and sell our eyeballs and our pocketbooks. And that might seem cynical, but that's how it works.
0: It, it makes me think of the uh, saying, what's this, something to the effect of if, if you're not paying for it, you're the product? Uh, uh, you're the,
1: yeah, you're the product. You're being bought and sold.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's why I think we, you know, we sign up for threads, we say, oh, this is free. But obviously.
1: No, no.
0: Exactly. And,
1: and even, you know, you can say that media is neutral. Because messages, you know, just trans this transferred through a, a technology. But actually, this is not neutral. It's filled with chemicals and, and things that can hurt people. You no, know, it's, it's how much trash, e-trash is it building up in the universe? And nobody's really thinking about that.
0: Right. It becomes so uh, uh, integral to our daily existence that we can't afford to think about it. And just for, for listeners, Sister Rose was holding up her phone. So.
1: Oh, yeah, sorry about that. I forget I'm on radio here, um, or kind of like radio. Um, yeah, it's the, the, the iPhone in particular and how many are trashed every year because a planned obsolescence, you know, these things are planned to go out. They're not going to work anymore, like the iPhone 6 that Apple got in trouble for a few years ago. When the batteries all started dying and they didn't have any to replace them with kind of caught them caught them out but it's okay they're going to keep going
0: yeah they'll survive um i I think this gets us kind of right to where we want to be thinking about media literacy and why that's important so why don't you start by defining that and then how you know that is in some ways a gospel call right to respond to to the forces that you've just described
1: sure so, media literacy is the ability, or it's a collection of skills, to ask questions that allow us to access, evaluate, analyze, and then create using all forms of media. It's, it's a very simple set of questions that come out in, in various in iterations that you can find online. In media, we call media literacy education. We call it media mindfulness in the faith community, because it adds that extra layer of, I think, conscience and spirituality to the, to the whole person, because that's what we're looking at is the whole person. Media literacy can sound kind of cerebral, and oh, that sounds so hard, but it's it's actually really very really not. It's it's not at all. It's it's just a matter of learning to ask the right questions for example when you're watching a um i don't know a a new show or a comedy or whatever what's going on well what's the story about what what are they, what are they emphasizing what is what's the story about then you ask what's really going on well what are the forces that brought this story to me what are the systems then who's included who's left out who gains and who pains from this system then what's going on? What's really going on? Does it make a difference? Like what gospel, human and gospel values are presented in this newscast, in this story, in this comedy, in this film, whatever it happens to be, what even video game that we're playing? What how does a human person come out in all this? You know, what is the anthropology of behind all this? And you might think, well, it's basically the viewpoint of a white male. That's the West. The West is kind of running this show for now, for now, and it's the it's really the point of view of the white male, and that's been established. Uh, Digital Bias is a film on Netflix that is a really good film for people to watch, showing how uh, um, facial recognition is set to read a white male face and then maybe a white female face but it's certainly not set to detect people of color so it's it's a built-in bias by how they could create these algorithms and structures and um, i can't believe that i'm using terms like that you know but they they become very common they're, they're frameworks that are put in place and their choices are made by their creators who are not asking themselves questions like what are the consequences if I create this setting that it's only going to read white faces? Why doesn't it even occur to them that their neighbor is a person of color or is a woman? Why don't, why don't you think of that? It, but it doesn't, the fact that it doesn't even occur to them, I don't think it is. I don't think it's done purposefully. I think it doesn't occur to them. And that's, so that's that raising awareness that uh, being able to access and reflect on our own Habits and engagement with these media, no matter at what level we are, because even if you're a creator of media, you're most certainly a consumer of it at some point. It's in some way, shape, or form.
0: Yeah, necessarily so, right? And I, um, I think it's just a good thought exercise to to kind of game out, and I think people probably have already in many ways, you know, the cascade of of consequences when we. Um, you know, don't include all different kinds of folks in the media and in the algorithms. Um, and, and, you know, now we come to artificial intelligence and, and AI. H- how are you thinking about that and, and some of these uh, issues you've already raised and certainly some that are unique to AI?
1: Well, then, so I said consumerism, but then right right attached to that is truth. Truth. What is truth? What is a real fact? And... You know, with AI, it's still kind of, it's very much in a Wild West situation, at least what's coming out for public consumption. And, you know, it can go into what they call hallucination state when you ask it a question, and it'll just collect stuff that makes sense, or they'll make it up, and they won't tell you that they're making it up. They'll just present, um, like the couple of lawyers that got in trouble for presenting case, case law, you know, in support of whatever... Uh, court case they were working on and it turned out to be fake because they asked AI to generate it. No, if AI can't tell a decent joke, it can't do decent research and it can't tell a good joke. So just so you know, I've tried it.
0: I remember, I remember you, you opened your excellent keynote at the Catholic Media Conference with uh, some AI jokes, which were worse than my dad jokes, I think.
1: And then explained them, right, right. terrible. <laughs> So, and it says all the right things, though. It says, you know, um, I'm not supposed to be biased. I'm not, you know, I'm a a language module. I'm this and that. And uh, so it says all the right things. But then what's going on in the background that we don't know about? You know, how is it? Let's face it. Just be aware that you're being scammed at any given time. So I signed up for Threads. And I know that within minutes of signing up, you know, all of my data has been Culled. Right? So that's that's what you give up. You know, one of the things that you do give up in a democracy is privacy. Let's attach that whole other part to another consumerism, the truth, privacy. We lose privacy in so many ways. Yes, there's our data, but there's our very lives. And why should People who have no right to my data or my story have a right to it, but I give it away in some ways. I'm kind of encouraged to share. In some ways, that's good, but other ways, especially when it's taken when I'm not aware of it, that's a problem. Again, for the European Union, good for them. Uh, Chat, GPT, they didn't allow it to operate in the European Union for about six weeks, I think. Until somehow they could assure the European Union that it was, it had safe guardrails in place for children. Don't know what those are though.
0: There's another thing, right? We never quite know what's in place to to keep us all safe. I I'm struck as you're describing. Um, you know, media moves super fast. Uh, There's no guardrails in place until we kind of stumble into them after the fact. You know, you and I are kind of speaking, um, you know, uh, under the auspices of the Catholic Church, right, which notoriously does not move super fast. Um, But then the rest of us are kind of in in the middle. And you just said a moment ago, uh, we know that, you know, social media is always mining our data, our stories. But we're also, I think, tempted to put out perhaps more stories, more information about ourselves than we need to, or that might be good for us. And um, at the same time, so that's kind of the media side, uh, but then our spiritual tradition invites more reflection, kind of, you know, what's going on here. Um, and then we have media literacy as kind of the, the other big piece here. I I wonder, you know, is there is there a way to kind of uh, build a healthy relationship, a feedback loop where, you know, we, we move quickly, we got kind of to thrust into the culture, but then we kind of also pull back so that we're more reflective about what we're sharing of ourselves, what we're asking other people to share. What do you think?
1: Two things. If I can, if I can remember what the first one I want to say, you know, what you said about the church moving really slow. Well, the church thinks in centuries, but I have to, I have to say this, it's it's like the best kept secret in the church after Catholic social teaching is the best kept second best-kept secret is the teaching on media and media awareness. And that is consistent from the very first World Communications Day that was called for by Intermarithica and Vatican II. And I'm going to sound so nerdy about this because I know all this stuff and nobody else does, but I love it. And so it called for World Communications Day. The first one was in 1967. And consistently, Paul VI, John Paul II, um, uh, Benedict and now Francis, you can go to their web pages on Vatican.va and you will find World Communications Day and you can click on every single one that they've given. They all build on each other, they are very current. The last document that Pope John Paul II signed off on before he died was called the Rapid Development, and it was on the rapid development of technology and communications technology. Hardly anybody recognizes that. Benedict continued the teaching, and Francis is all over it. So, and as we know, the Vatican um, Dicastery on Communications just came out with a new document on how we navigate the social media world. So they are teaching us. The the catechetical directory of 2021 is filled with how we can catechize in a digital universe, using the digital means, but also bringing that, mindfulness of jesus to how we interact and engage it's it's there and it's built on theology it's built on a theology of communication a theology of revelation a theology of evangelization and it's it's all there and it's just waiting i think to somehow be um uh, broken open for all of us to as we're trying to do right now i think I hope by saying this it'll send some of um the listeners, our listeners to do some research on World Communications Day under each of these popes and and do some reading these are like one page statements that are just kind of gone off into the wind, but Asia pays attention Africa's paying attention Latin America is guess who's not Europe and the United States Canada maybe a little bit, but not that much so. It's the West. We think we have it all, we know it all, but actually we are so ignorant when it comes to ways and means. The media literacy movement has been, it's about 30 years old, maybe a little bit more, and there are good people in education from every different religious community, faith community, and many, many countries who are teaching these same basic principles of asking questions of who made this and whose interest was this made. Who's profiting from this? And then to go even deeper, what are the systems that are in place that allow these media systems to, to um, consume us as we consume them? So we have to look at the bigger pictures, and and uh, and that would be critical media literacy. And in academia, it sounds like, again, academic, but... I think you know Mother Teresa, she always wanted to change the systems that keep people poor, and some people criticized her for that. They thought she should be doing charity, handing out food and bandaging up people but that and that is what she did, but they felt she should be actually I can remember this famous atheist christopher hitchens who 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 was terrible to her about the fact that you know that. India was such a terrible system, and it just kept people poor. Why wasn't she changing that? Well, that wasn't her calling, but it is all of our calling. And I think if we bring Catholic social teaching into play, I think it fits so well with media literacy because of the common good. Media literate people think about the common good. We're thinking about the family, community, participation, the common good, and of course, uh, the dignity of the human person those are two the two big ones.
0: Yeah, that was that was perfect. Um, it got me excited to go do this research now because I think you're right. I mean, especially Catholic social teaching and and all the media stuff. Uh, there's there's a ton to mine there. And I'll drop in the show notes some links to um, uh, some of the world of communications messages from the popes because um, I know there's there's one that Francis did I think in 2020 that I still go back to uh, just like a, a just like a paragraph that's just constantly uh, energizing. Um, why don't we end on a on a lighter note? I think we've hit some pretty heavy topics. What what are, what are you watching? What's uh, what's good right, right now that, that is catching, keeping your attention? Um, what's keeping your attention in a new way?
1: So somebody just pointed out to me, or just told me that a show I could be watching is called Mrs. Davis on Peacock. I guess there's a nun in it, at least from the picture, and it seems to be about AI. So another series that I watched that was really, is really interesting called Upload. I think it's on, I don't remember which platform is. on.
0: I think it's Amazon.
1: It, it's so interesting because it's how you can buy your future and if somebody's not paying for your afterlife, you go from the top level. No, it's very clever and um, yeah, that's, but you know, I, a steady diet of that doesn't work for me. I also like to watch uh, BBC. I am rewatching, and all the listeners out there are probably just going to start laughing. I'm rewatching Foils War, with Michael Kitchen. It's a World War II uh, murder mystery series. You know, this small town policeman while World War II, excuse me, World War II is is happening all around them. So it's it's got a, a man who, at the center, a, a cast, but especially the the main cop, who's very upright, very moral. Uh, very wise. And in a noisy world, sometimes it's just comforting to watch something you've seen before.
0: Agreed. I like to go back to the West Wing every now and again. But Upload is a great show. I'm waiting for season three of that one.
1: Yeah. Anybody who wants to understand this digital universe a little bit more, that would be the show to watch, I think.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Sister Rose, so good to have you with us today. Any final words of wisdom for folks?
1: Yes. um, If anybody's interested in getting you know a little bit more knowledgeable in media literacy education uh, we have our advanced certificate course that's starting on July 30th and I sent a link so you might want to post that up there so becoming more knowledgeable about how to be critical thinkers is very good and you know there are methods it's it doesn't cost anything it's just learning how to be mindful you know think that's that little algorithm of of asking the question is it true is it helpful Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? And is it kind? I think a five-year-old to a hundred-year-old person can memorize that and keep it in mind when we engage with media.
0: Absolutely. And I will include that link uh, in the show notes too. Sister Rose, thank you so much. Always a pleasure.
1: God bless you. Thank you for having me.
0: AMDG is a production of the Jesuit Conference of Canada and the United States, and recorded at our headquarters in Washington, D.C. This episode was edited by me, Eric Clayton. Our theme music is by Kevin Lasky. The Jesuit Conference Communications team is Mike Lasky, Marcus Bleach, Megan Leapsch, Becky Sindelar, Kristen Smith, and me, Eric Clayton. Connect with the Jesuits at Jesuits.org, and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter get our weekly email reflection series now discern this by visiting jesuits.org slash weekly if you or someone you know would like to learn more about becoming a jesuit or jesuit life in general connect with your local vocation promoter at beAJesuit.org. jesuit.org drop us an email with questions or comments at media at jesuits.org subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and finally as st ignatius may or may not have said go and set the world on fire